श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जय ग्रंथराज श्रीमद् भागवतम की जय श्री कृष्ण जन्माष्टमी महोत्सव की जय खूब प्रेम आनंदे मॉर्निंग एवरीवन So we have begun our festival with the auspicious Purnim full moon of Balaram's appearance and we've been discussing about Balaram first expansion of Krishna <clears throat> something like the idea that we ourselves have different faces in relation to different people so the godhead has different faces expansions and incarnations for relating with different types of devotees with different with different sentiments different types of uh, love <coughs> so balaram and he appeared about 10 days or so before krishna so he is dauji the elder brother a little bit bigger <laughs> uh, <coughs> so he's deferred to in some respects and uh within the context of the leela and we have discussed that and uh today we're going to discuss another of the uh leelas in the vrindavan in the braj in which krishna uh excuse me balram dealt with uh a uh, a demon or a demonic influence as we may look at it in our uh, spiritual practitioner's life something to look out for there are two demons that balaram killed in in the braj and uh the first we discussed yesterday his name was denuka and today we will discuss pralamba denuka asura and pralamba asura asura means demon so the demon denuka and the demon pralamba and as i say these are the two demons that uh, balaram uh, dealt effectively with in braj and so they are they represent two anarthas that are particularly unbecoming for braj bhaktas or those aspiring to attain that type of love of god in intimacy that is uh, uh depicted in the shrimad bhagavatam mm-hmm. in the pastoral land of uh, brindavan <coughs> and uh for whom the uh for which the object of love is shamsundar krishna krishna and balaram or radha and krishna for both <coughs> chaitanya mahaprabhu came to distribute the four principal sentiments of love waves of love in brudged in uh, servitude uh, friendship parental love and romantic love for krishna so uh balaram of course as we've as we discussed is prominent and influential with regard to all the sentiments directly with regard to sakya vatsalya and 
dasya and indirectly with regard to madurja. Not a person that we can go around or we should think to avoid and therefore Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went to great lengths, for example, to explain the position of Nityananda Prabhu, who is Ram in his Leela for the sake of the devotees. And we found here yesterday in the discussion of Denuka Sura Leela that uh, Krishna went to some lengths to differentiate Balaram from the rest of the cowherds, from other jivas, hmm, to glorify him. So, <clears throat> um, here as well, to some extent, in the killing of Perlambasura, and again, these two demons were killed in the Braj, and so they are represent to uh, anarthas or unbecoming things, unwanted things, false values and misconceptions and so forth. Uh, uh, artha means like what is to be gained, anartha, what is not to be pursued. Um, uh, two things that are very, should really stand out and embarrass, say, Abraj Bhakti. I guess we talked about Denuka in terms of his representing the the ass like he was an uh, uh, an ass denuka in the form of an ass the uh, the ass is the typical uh, beast of burden not very bright and carries a very big uh, burden the idea being that if you wave a little grass in front of the 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 ass and he'll carry a large uh, burden but the grass is there pretty much free on the side of the road without the burden. So this is sometimes said in order to illustrate the idea that the uh, beast of burden is not the brightest beast. And so to be, bur- so to be burdened <clears throat> in the context of Braj Bhakti by a... a um, I want to say a an unbecoming identification with an attachment to rules mm-hmm. on the path of love. Uh, as I've said before, where there are rules, there is no love. Where there is love, there are no rules. That's obviously an absolute kind of statement. There's there's a spectrum within that where rules will have some love to them and. And and, um, um, and love will have some rules to it, and so forth. But in the fullest end of the spectrum, hmm, the, the two ends, in love there's no rules, and in where there's rules there's no love. Something like that. There may be some things we can do, some rules we can follow, can help us to promote love, and and so forth. This illustrates kind of the two paths. The 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 the, the Brajabhakti path, Ragmarg, and the Karma Marg. Hmm? Somewhere in between there, you have the Vaidhi Marg, where there's some rules and there's some love, and and so on. But in the Karma Marg, then it, we the idea is approaching God, following very so many 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 rules, hmm? and all with a view to get something, to what will improve my material life improve my economy, free me from distress, take me to heaven, whatever it may be. Get me a good wife, a good husband, a good son or daughter, and and so on. 
good health, and so there are many rules, and and uh, it's very much a, 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 a rule-laden, burdened uh, course. And if you don't do the rule right, you don't get the result. If you don't face in the right direction and have the right ingredients to throw in the fire for the sacrifice and so forth, then you won't get the magical material result. <coughs> Bhakti, on the other hand, in Braj Bhakti, um, we find the gopis throwing out the rules and uh, foregoing, apparently, the Dharma to meet with Krishna in the dead of the night and, and so forth. So these are the two extremes. That their path is full of love, and karma mark is really has no love in it. It's a bargaining deal, a business arrangement with God. I'll give you this, you give me that. Um, you will. Uh, I acknowledge you in a remote way, and uh, follow all these rules t- to demonstrate that, and I get some material result, which is really nothing positive as much as material life and the whole karmic um, implication is a life in, if you will, negative numbers. You haven't even come to zero zero yet. The Buddha, Shankar, taking us to zero. A positive position in relation to negative numbers. Hmm? But Bodhi Vaishnavism wants to take us to positive numbers as well, and very high in that. We go to the Rag Marg. So, so to be on the Rag Marg, even as a, an apprentice, if you will, a, a Jataruchi Raghunuga Bhakta, who hasn't got Ruchi, which is the basis of the whole of Rag Marg, hmm, hasn't got Ruchi, but has attachment to someone that does. Hmm? And so wants to follow in the way that he or she, the Guru, the Sadhu, is, is practicing and is absorbed and and so forth. Uh, so we then have that, uh, the Guru's ideal as our ideal, Braj Bhakti, and we pursue it uh, as best we can, and we incorporate within that the adherence to certain rules that govern Bhakti, <clears throat> as much as they are useful for us in pursuing the path of Rag. So, uh, on that path, then to fall into a situation where you have misidentified principles, uh, details with principles, for example, there may be details of how to do something. Let's say for initiation, what is the rule for, for treading the path of bhakti, if you will? In other words, what makes one eligible for bhakti? Hmm? Who can say? Shraddha means faith in bhakti has been awakened. And it's a knowing kind of a faith. It, it's differentiated from belief because the shraddha is, is a faith that is, um, how do you say, is, um, it's faith in the revealed uh, message of the scripture. And so the guru explains this. He, he or she represents that text those texts, like the Bhagavatam, for example, and faith is awakened in in that what he or she guru is representing, and that as a way of knowing about something that you couldn't know otherwise. Like our friend Ishandas mentioned the other day, there's no way that you could know on your own 
about becoming a gopi or a gopi in Krishna Leela, you might figure out that it is the difference between myself and the body and, uh, you know, a Socrates type of approach uh, to, to, to wisdom. Uh, and you might have some success uh, in, in pursuing that, but to end up in the, in the divine play of, of, of the absolute, where even Krishna, as we see in this Leela, becomes subordinate to his devotee in a prominent way. This is this requires some revelation. So we hear from the guru, for example, who represents the Shastra about the nature of the world. We see it in a way that we kinda we're feeling like like we're feeling like it doesn't quite work. It's not quite uh there seems to be more than what meets the eye. I'm not satisfied. I'm a little bit discontent with the prospect of just going on with life like this, just eating, sleeping, and getting a trailer or whatever, you know, or you know, whatever it is, uh, somewhere. What's the difference, right? <clears throat> Whether it's the trailer or it's the Beverly Hills home, um, to do the same thing. I'm finally, it just, just doesn't, I don't know, I just can't get into that. I, I can't get motivated. So a little bit materially exhausted with the prospects that material life Offered us, offers us. It's a prospect for a full meal, but only an appetizer is offered. The full meal never comes. Hmm? And it's all about adding things onto our lives to make ourselves more complete, when in fact, what we need to do is let go of so many things. Hmm? Attachments that are defining us in a way that limits us. We are defined by our attachments to things to places, to people, and so and we're limited thereby. Hmm? If I'm attached to California, I'm a Californian, let's say I'm a, an, an Indian, let's say, then I can't leave India without a passport, and it's not as easy to get a visa to come to America. And so, so just a crude example of how our attachments and our identifications materially hmm, define us and then limit us. So to come out from all of that and so forth, the sense that there's more to life, this is something that is... Um, percolating, brewing in the heart of a, of a, of a person who has the, the, thereby the, some qualification for understanding spiritual life. Prahlad says, Puna punas charvita charvananam. He says, that what? He says, um, that griha uh, vrtanam. He says, matirna krishne paratasvatova. Those people who have, have a brata, a vrat means a vow, they may have made a commitment, griha brata, a commitment to building their own house, so to speak, their own kingdom. I don't put my fence around there. And I'll, this, this is what the whole show is about, in other words. I marry, I have a family, and we you know, build it up, we have the kids, they have kids, we try to extend it, to keep it going, and that's me. Hmm. And I try to sustain, protect, maintain that sense of self. Sukadev, when he opens his speech in the Bhagavatam to the Raj Parikshit in the second Kamsa, what does he say? He says, Atma Saineshu Asatsupi Teshom Pramata Nidhanam. Pashyanapina Pashyati. He says, Atma Sainyeshu Asatsupi. He said, You have surrounded yourself with 
fallible soldiers. I like to call them mutinous men on the bounty. That it means that uh, our, our job, our the education we got to get our job, our family, our friend, these things will not protect us. We've done these things to protect us, a sense of ourself that can't be maintained, that I'm black, that I'm white, that I'm man, that I'm woman. That will be, uh, this is the passing moment in time. I'm something else, the perceiver, the experiencer, hmm? the seer, the witness, hmm? moving through different pictures, uh, yeah, still pictures, really, in the moving of my life through um, attachment to matter that propels the whole thing and so forth. So, hmm? not only are they fallible soldiers, they're, they revolt on us right in the middle of the ocean when you need them the most. They can turn on you. Hmm? Your employer can fire you and your whole picture, and you had this big mortgage and house and everything was working fine. <laughs> and, uh, and then the, then... You don't have enough money to support a family's needs, then they may turn on you also. That's possible. So uh, this is the story of the one part of the story of the Bhagavatam. So the guru will speak about the nature of material life in such a way that it, it resonates with us. It makes sense. And we think, yeah, that's true. This is, this is, I was kind of feeling a little bit empty and I wasn't quite fitting in perhaps, but so I find out I know why. Maybe there's a good reason for that. So on the basis of that, largely, we, we'll get involved. And then there are other things, of course, that he speaks to us about from the text that we don't have experience of, like Krishna Leela. Not that it's entirely separate from us by any means. We do have a pursuit of love, and uh, we have an experience that by giving, we, we, we get an invisible sense. We feel better and more and so forth. These are all, this is all what, what Bhakti is speaking about. But taking that principle to the extreme, we end up in what's called Krishna Leela. This is the idea. So he speaks about these things, or she speaks about it philosophically, and, um, and, and all this representing the text, and we develop faith. So this faith is in Shastra. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wise faith, Shastriya Shraddha. Hmm? And this enables us to tread the path. This is the bedrock hmm, of eligibility. So, if it, and what happens if you get faith? What do you do? You come, and well, you you sit at the feet of the guru, as it's classically, you know, uh, described. Take shelter there, and then diksha, shikshadi, diksha comes. Further instruction comes, um, serving the guru, from Beno Guru Seva. Associating with other sadhus and so forth, and this Rupa Goswami, this way, starts to begin. He, he begins to explain, I should say, the various angas or limbs of of sadhana bhakti, and ado guru ashrayaha, taking shelter of the guru is the first one he mentions. Then initiation, hmm? then hearing the more instruction, siksha throughout, and sadhu sangha serving the guru and so forth. So, therefore, <clears throat> what's the qualification for initiation? Faith. That's the principle. Hmm? Then there may be so many other details that one may put in place. Is there any purushcharja necessary for purificatory, purificatory activities that are required in order for the mantra or nam to have efficacy? No, actually. 
not for Nam. And Guru's grace is enough. A purush charity for the Diksha Mantra. So this is, this is, this is the, uh, uh, that's for Krishna Mantras. These are Krishna Mantra means for Rag Bhakti. Hmm? And Krishna Nam, and so forth. So, then the Guru may adjust according to that as he or she sees fit, wherever he is. Uh, may say, you know, uh, on this planet we'll do it like this. We'll add this. And to this sector of society, we'll adjust like this. And uh, there's a nice section in Prabhupada's uh, summary study of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, where he says, we, uh, the principle is that, um, that one should chant a number of rounds on their beads and follow certain principles, but these are details. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said that we should chant 100,000 names a day at 64 rounds. But if we find the student cannot do that, then we will make it less. So we have settled for our students on 16. But the principle is that we should fix a vow hmm, that we can actually follow. Because if we fix a vow that we can follow, then we can make offense. That's worse. Hmm. Then you, then you made a, you made a commitment, a vow to follow like this. Then you go against that. Then, hmm, then you're like kind of self-destructing, so to speak. So better to fix a vow that you can actually follow. And so if the guru is to ask any extra commitment or vows besides the faith which Nityananda Prabhu was enough to give it out widely, hmm, the name, just for the price of faith, it's that he opened a marketplace in Navadweep and he gave the name of Krishna out to anyone who had faith. Take it. Take it. This was his idea. Hmm? So anything other than that, and, and, and who doesn't have faith, then we cannot give the name. If the guru gives the name or the mantra to someone who doesn't have faith, he commits an offense to the name. Hmm? If, in other words, he says, oh, this guy's got a big bank balance. I'll make him my disciple. And this way I'll be sure to have plenty of chapatis in my old age. Hmm? Then this is, this is not good. This is an offense to the name. He can't do like that. He has to see that the requisite faith is there and faith in Shastra. Hmm? Otherwise, it will be problematic because if then his disciple comes and asks a question and I say, the answer is this. According to Scripture, it says this here and over here it says this there and in Gita it says that there and you put these together like this. The logic of it is such and such and according to our present time and circumstances, it should be taken in this way and the precedent for that is over here, over here and so forth. And you give the ant. That's the answer. Hmm. And if somebody goes, student goes, well, yeah, it sounds good, but, but still, I just don't know. And it means but no, that you don't know that, that you don't have the faith that that this is the kind of answers you're supposed to get. You have faith that if if the shastra is properly represented with reasoning that supports its conclusions relative to time and circumstance, then you've got the answer. So, this is required. And so, that's a detail, then. Hmm? Or that's the principle, I should say, faith. And anything else is a detail. Hmm? So, let's say some guru gives a certain detail, and then someone thinks hmm, that the detail is the principle. You know, there's a famous story of the sadhu who used to give the class from Bhagavad Gita every day. And one day he was giving the class and a cat came and started meowing very loudly. And he couldn't speak the Gita. So he said, okay, look, 
is tie the cat up here and give her some milk. So cow was milked, the cat was tied, the milk was offered, the cat was quiet, and the Gita was spoken. Now the cat likes milk, so she came back the next day, cried. Let's tie her up, okay. So then day after day after day she came. So throughout his whole life the cat was coming. Every day before the Gita class, tie up the cat, milk the cow, give the milk, we can speak the Gita, so forth. Hmm. So things went on for some time and the guru passed away. Hmm. Cat was still there. So the next student became the teacher, and he's giving the Gita class. The cat was tying up, tied up, and so forth. Then, the, then the cat died. Hmm. Big problem. We can't give the Bhagavad Gita class without first tying up a cat and giving the cat milk. So we got to get another cat somehow. It was thought this was the idea. <laughs> so, so sometimes uh, things people people get confused here hmm? as to. What is a detail? In this case, not even a detail, but anyway, a detail by circumstance. And what is a principle? And this is very unbecoming on a path, a rag bhakti, for example, which is really such an, an uh, a f- essence, substance over form. We find in the ideal, the gopis are breaking the form of the dharma. Hmm? And meeting with Krishna in the dead of night and so forth, apparently a dharma can... And um, it's a path where, for example, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when he uh, personified it, taught it personally, hmm, he readily um, uh, crossed over the, the, the Dharma Marg, the Varnashram, whenever it got in the way of bhakti. Hmm. And so he demonstrated the relativity, for example, of Varnashram in relation to Vaishnavism. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lower kind of idea of of dharma. So it is particularly unbecoming on this path to find someone on the path confused about the difference between principles and details and making it into a a, uh, a law burdened kind of a path with all these prerequisites. There are no prerequisites to bhakti except faith. That's its generosity. And then we have find people thinking, unless their heart is pure, you know, to a certain extent, then if we give them bhakti, it'll be a problem. The whole bhakti movement will be, you know, cheapened and distorted and so forth. But the whole power, uh, glory in one side of bhakti is her capacity to go into the dirtiest of hearts. Hmm? This is mentioned in Rasalila. When the Raj Prikshit says, how can Krishna, the prince of Dharma, be dancing with the gopis in the night. He says, oh, that's another thing. Try to understand that in perspective. Krishna is the, Krishna is the husband of the gopis' husbands. And he says that um, when this Vishnu, Krishna, who is Vishnu, means he's God, consorts with the Brajbadu, the wives of the, of the, of the Braj, who listens to that with faith from Guru Parampara, Bhakti will go into their heart. Bhakti parampati labdhyakamam hridrogam ashpapahinoti achirena dira and hridrogam the rogam means disease the disease of the heart hridrogam will go away. It doesn't say when you hear from the Guru Parampara and then by some other method you, 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 you take the disease of 
lusts and attachment out of your heart, then bhakti will come in. No. Jnana won't come unless the heart is clean, but bhakti will go. Such is her power. Hmm? Even to the unclean heart, if faith in that heart has been awakened. So then we find people putting like the horse, the cart before the, the horse, before the heart, cart before the horse. First be purified, then practice bhakti. To, to, the, to a degree that it that it, that it that it gets uh, out of uh, out of balance, bhakti's misunderstood. So this we talked about to some extent. Now we come to the other demon in the brudge that Balaram killed, and Balaram's killing means that those demons that Balaram killed, they are anarthas that we should be personally more uh, vigilant about. Hmm? Um, it's a path of grace in which, as I've often said, there's effort to get grace. Hmm? But these particular demons that Balaram um, killed, they, Bhaktivinoda Thakur has analyzed and come to the conclusion that they require a little more effort on our part. Hmm? You have to be a little thoughtful on the path of bhakti to, as I said, distinguish between principles and and uh, and details and so forth and time and circumstance mandates compared to mandates that are absolute for all time and circumstance and so forth and uh, similarly with regard to Perlumba this is the demon here Perlumba as we'll see Perlumba represents um, kind of what we call like weeds that cling on to the devotional uh, vine it's a creeper, a vine that needs to cling on to something else to grow up, but other things may attach themselves to it in the context of its growth, and you have to weed against that. Perlumba means clinging. He's clingy. You ever meet somebody that's a little clingy? Well, this is Perlumba. He's a little clingy, and he represents certain things that cling to us. So anyway, these, this is un- very unbecoming also in the Lila, as we'll hear. Hmm? So here, in the 18th chapter of Bhagavatam's 10th canto. Hmm. Another beautiful chapter about Sakiras and Balaram's highlighted. Again, he is again the embodiment of Sakiras, the best friend of Krishna. Hmm. It's summertime in Vrindavan, and it's very, very hot. chapter begins with uh, Atta, Krishna, Paribrito, Sukadev said to the Raj, surrounded by his blissful companions, who constantly chanted his glories, Sri Krishna entered the village of Braj, which was decorated with herds of cows. While Krishna and Balaram were thus enjoying in Vrindavan in the guise of ordinary cowherds, the summer season gradually appeared. The season was not very pleasing to embodied souls. It means means it's hot there. Hmm? Vrindavan is on the border of the Rajasthan Desert. My God, with her Shripad Bhakti Gaurava Narasimha Maharaj, he told me once that he found in the Guinness Book of Records the hottest place in the world was Vrindavan. Hmm? 
or right next to it, I'm not sure, I think he said Vrindavan, and he's going to the border of the Rajasthan, so it can get very hot there, like 120 degrees. It's not uncommon in the month of May. Hmm? It's like right after you took a cold shower, you've got to take a cold shower. It's pretty hot, very hot. So it's not a pleasant season. You, people die in it, you can barely get through it, and so on and so forth. Hmm? Especially in rural uh, living, no cold drinks, no air conditioning, maybe no fans even. Hmm? Very, very, very hot season. And so, very unpleasing. But here, the wonderful uh, reality of Brindaban proper. We talked about it a little bit last night about you might enter the Dom but not really go there. You can't go there just by buying a ticket, right? Hmm? A plane ticket. It's a realm of consciousness. Pujapatrita emerged in this connection once sitting on his veranda giving darshan to some devotees. After the darshan, one of the devotees struggled through the crowd, so to speak, to get to try to touch Sridhar Maharaj's feet before he left. And Sridhar Maharaj said, what's this? Then he said, chuckled. He said, he said oh, that's, you think, that's what you think it means to touch the feet of the Vaishnav. Hmm. He said, and it's not like that. It's, this is a, you'd have to enter into the consciousness, Vaishnav consciousness, something like that. Hmm. Like Prabhupada used to say, I'm sitting on my seat here on the dais, and there's a flea, a fly on my lap, too. And so he's touching me. We're very close, but we're lifetimes apart by consciousness. So, to enter the world of the Dham, hmm? to be a Brajabhasi in a real sense. So the real Brindaban, its magic, is being described here in the context of the Leela. It's summertime, and the first part of this chapter describes in about four verses how the summer shows all the symptoms of spring. Hmm? Madhav is another name for Krishna. It means springtime also. He enters the forest and it, it, it starts back in spring. Everything is coming out, blossoming and so forth. So it's all coming to life and cool breezes are coming, bringing little, like, a, like you can just imagine, like a little mist from the Jamuna. Cloud is coming, a little rain crying. At the, at the beauty of Krishna's pastime, it's all these are uh, anubhavs of the Vrindavan forest. Hmm? Hmm. Certain kind of ecstatic movements, creating a spring-like environment. Hmm? So, some beautiful description of Vrindavan and um, its extraordinary nature. And that is followed then by a description like we found in the uh, Leela of Danikasura, killing of Danikasura, the activities, the typical activities of the cowherds, hmm? how they would imitate the king, kings and have mock fighting and all, invite, invent, just uh, very inventive, or invent all types of sports and games, throwing a fruit up and trying to hit it with another fruit, and someone would come up and put their... I, hands over your eyes and you'd have to touch their hands and guess who it was and then there were consequences for winning and there were, there were prizes for winning and consequences for losing and so forth um, so a beautiful description of this and they're singing they're dancing they're how they were accomplished in playing the flutes and and making leaves wrapping leaves and turning them into instruments and playing them and dancing and um, they were like Art, artisans and uh, uh, expert in the dramatic arts, so to speak, and 
and Krishna and Balaram would dance, and they would, and it was so charming hmm, and uh, attractive and beautiful that it's described that the devas they wanted to take part in that, the gods, the goddesses, and so they couldn't come there in their extraordinary forms without disturbing the sweetness, the charm, the human likeness of it all. So they they came in the guise of cowherds themselves to witness the whole affair. This is stated in order to help us understand the position of these cowherds, because they're just cow people. And what's the big deal here? People are playing leapfrog, you know, people are playing whatever, blind man's bluff and other games, and it's like, you know, why is this, you know, something to be uh, uh, underscored, something important, something significant? This chapter, like many chapters of the Bhagavatam, like the previous chapter we discussed, the 15th chapter, we have, the, we see the tightrope, but I like to say that Vyas walks, or Sugadev walks, in, in, in writing, in the case of Vyasa, and in speaking, in the case of Sukadeva, the Bhagavatam, a tightrope between Aishvarya and Madhurya, between the godhood of Bhagavan Sri Krishna and the sweetness, the human likeness of Sri Krishna that makes him accessible to us in such, uh, in such intimacy. Hmm? So he, if he just tells the Madhurya, then there's some story about some boy. Hmm? But if he interfaces that with the Aishvarya, then you get a picture like, so the gods are coming. This is very extraordinary. The gods are coming. And of course, the last part of the chapter is the killing of Perlamba. And then we can go back and we can look from other texts, the history of Perlamba and so forth. We can see then, the after the description of the Madhurya, the sweetness, the human-like pastimes, the intimacy, and so forth. The gods are coming, hmm? and then the super, the activity that even the gods couldn't perform was performed by Balaram and Krishna. Actually, Krishna assisted Balaram in this affair of killing Perlamba. So we have the Aishvarya, the godhood, the uncommon, extraordinary prowess, and it's played out and described in a way that, just to make this point, hmm? really, he's God. He's Brahman, the supreme, absolute. And look at this position he's taken. So charming. And what is the significance of the position as a cowherd? Hmm? The significance is he's making himself available in a way. that The absolute is making itself available to us, the infinite, making itself available to the finite hmm? in a way that would only be possible if he took a finite-like shape so that we wouldn't be put off by his infiniteness and distanced and so forth. So the philosophical, the theological idea is that there's a possibility of a union between ourselves as a unit of consciousness, entering into the mystery of ourselves, the mystery of consciousness. We, 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 we find we're different from matter. That's mysterious because matter is something you kind of get a grip on and you can get a handle on it, it seems. It's pretty big too. <laughs> Pretty hard to understand, but we try, for example, in the scientific community or in our everyday lives, to get a grip on matter and how it works. But to get a grip on ourselves, the subjective component, this is very, very difficult. This is mysterious. So to enter into the mystery of the self and find out I'm different from matter, what possibilities lie within me in comparison to the possibilities of myself identified with matter. It's like the difference between, like I've said before, ice and water. 
with ice you can cool water, but what else can you do with it? With water, so many things, you, what possibilities there are. You can, with water, you can make light. You can make fire. That's magical, like hydroelectric, <laughs> and so on. Hmm. So, then, within the, within the mystery of the self, consciousness, pursued in the context of bhakti, we find the source of the self. Hmm? And the possibility of uniting with the source sounds desirable. Hmm? In a, in a, but in a, in a in a in the context of loving, this kind of unification sounds appealing also. And so, an idea of lila that it implies that the self, in its perfection, hmm, experiences a a relational kind of identity in relation to the absolute, in union with the absolute like a loving union where there is reciprocal dealings. Hmm? On a scale, love will be evaluated by the extent to which there are reciprocal dealings, by the extent to which you understand me and I understand you. Hmm? When I speak, it's your heart that's speaking. When you speak, it's my heart speaking. So this is a union. Hmm? Very interesting and dynamic union of love. And of course, love is what they say makes the world go round. So, well, I said earlier, it's not something foreign we're talking about, that the Guru is talking about, that the scripture is talking about, but just taking it now to its fullest ramifications, that the self, the unit of consciousness, the mystery of consciousness, has a source and has a relationship with the source, and it's a, it's one of like, kind of giving and taking, and it's all giving, and but the giving is getting, and, uh, and so then it's experienced then by mystics in bhakti tradition in such a way i should say that it's best explained as the bhagavatam has explained it hmm? all these leelas and so forth hmm? and they've explained it in such a way as to show the sweetness but and and to understand that we have to know that, that it's god doing this that's the infinite doing this making himself available to the finite. That's sweet, that's charming. And um, this is an underlying idea. Hmm? And they experience these leelas, and the idea is to enter into that leela. And the leelas are not limited to what's found in the book. Hmm? Now, the parameters of what the leela is, what is the, the, the rasa tattva, this is being described. Hmm? And in subsequent books by the Goswamis, so we can know what it is, kind of, and then, within the context, those parameters enter into the unlimited nature of a reciprocal, loving relationship with the Absolute. After all, as I say, the world's about love. Love makes the world go round. So we're looking for love. So if we find the perfect object of love, that's life's perfection. So. As I say, from explaining the the, the, the the magical nature of the place, you know, no nothing's impossible. Summer turns into spring, and and so on. All the all the five seasons they have five seasons, and it can be experienced at once. And uh, it means a land of all possibilities. Impossible is not there in the dictionary. It's not part of the vocabulary. It's all telling us like you gotta like use your reasoning to a point and then stop worshiping it. Hmm? 
let it go to a point to understand its limitations. Hmm? Bhakti picks up where reasoning leaves off, actually. It's not unreasonable. Hmm? We should reason that far as to the limitations of reasoning. Hmm? So, with the description of the summer turning into the spring, it means like any, like I say, anything's possible hmm? in love. Hmm? In love, uh, faults become ornaments. Uh, the power of love. So then the devas are coming. The devas represent the highest position you could have materially. A big Brahma, uh, the Indra, the king of heaven. What more could they could they want? Hmm? And they're seeing this and feeling this is ex- extraordinary. Hmm? The, the, the cowherds are playing. This is Madhyama Kuma Poganda, the middle of the Poganda. So they're deep in the forest, the famous Pandita tree. It's like a, a banyan tree, big banyan tree. It's, it's way up into the sky and, and it gives shelter to so many creatures, birds and things like that. It's a favorite spot of the cowherds to, to go to deep into the forest. Let's go to the Pandita tree and you know, what we can do there. Hang on the branches and so many things. So, <clears throat> um, and the devas are coming. They're the most wealthy people in the world. Who have, those who have everything are thinking, we have nothing compared to what they have. That tree is a desire tree. And that tree, anything can be, it's a kalpa, kalpa riksha. It's not really a banyan tree, but it's called kalpadrum, kalpa riksha. means from that tree you can get anything you want. And what the demigods are realizing is they don't want anything, these people. They're next to a tree that could fulfill any wish, and they have no wish. What do they have? What, what is that place? Hmm? So they're, they're going there. They're thinking that heaven is meaningless compared to, to, to the life of these apparently cowards. It means like jungle people, practically living in the jungle, just taking care of cows. And they become like cows, kind of, you know, if it's who you associate with, you become kind of like that. Not very sophisticated, is, is the idea. <clears throat> so, the devas are coming, and then so they make a, uh, then they're witnessing this, and the, and the cowherds make a sport. Hmm. Many, many games are described, but then one comes up, and they divide the group. So we have those who are more attached to Balram, those who are more attached to Krishna. Such possibility is there. We're talking about Sakyarasa. But in a broader context, an idea comes up in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, worth uh, noting. Rupa Goswami is explaining the stayibhavs, the dominant emotions that can give rise to rasa in combination with other bhavas. <clears throat> one of the stayibhavs is sakya, right? Friendly love. Mm-hmm. And all of these stayibhavs, they have the object of love as Krishna. He is the vishaya lambana. The, 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 vishaya means object. So the, the, the object is uh, of, of love. This is a, uh, and then there's the love itself embodied in the devotee. Mm-hmm. These two, two things are required for rasa. So Krishna is the object of love. So he's describing these Daibhavs, and he comes to the end of the chapter, and he, and he says, but there's another situation also that, that arises. 
question may come to you that all of your bhakti is talking about loving Krishna. Krishna is the object of love and so forth. And meanwhile, there are many devotees loving Krishna. Hmm? So here's two devotees and they love Krishna. What is the relationship between one another? Hmm? So he says, well, that's, uh, he, he brings up the point. He says, that's another thing. We call it suhitrati. This isn't sakiras, but it means love of the friend. Love of the friend. Surit Rati. Surit means friend. Rati means love. Surit Rati. He said, sometimes we find that a devotee loves Krishna and he loves a friend or the friend of Krishna. Hmm? He's another devotee. But he loves Krishna a little more than the friend. Or sometimes it may come that he likes the friend and Krishna equally. Hmm? These friends here, they're not ordinary people. Hmm? And it's an, and it's, it's a, in some extraordinary instances, may love the friend more than Krishna. It's possible. He said, we call that Bhavulasa. Hmm? Within Suhritrati. Suhritrati means love of the friend. So, within that, when we find a situation where the love of the friend exceeds the love of Krishna. Hmm? So that's very extraordinary. We call it bhava ulas. Very super excellent bhava. Its characteristic is very interesting. When we have love of Krishna and we love the friend of Krishna, which would be our friend as well, equal to Krishna or a little less than Krishna, then that Love is a sanchari. Hmm? A sanchari bhav kind of comes and goes, and it augments my love for Krishna, my stai bhav for Krishna. Hmm? So I love Krishna, and I love my friend. Thinking of my friend or meeting my friend, it, it augments my love for Krishna. Hmm? But in the case when the love of the friend exceeds the love of Krishna, hmm? it acts in a different way in two senses. One, it doesn't come and go. It remains dominant. Hmm? And two, love of Krishna energizes it. Hmm? So it almost acts like a stai bhav, but it's not centered on Krishna, so it can't be a stai bhav, because the stai bhav is all centered on Krishna, the perfect object of love. Therefore, we call it, we give it another name. <laughs> we call it very extraordinary bhava or rati, bhavulasa. Bhava, rati, same idea, same meaning. Hmm? We call it bhavulasa. This is, so there's different ways to think about this. This is an important verse from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu that explains an important principle. In a very general sense, it explains the fact that there is love of Krishna and there's love of Krishna's devotees. I'm a devotee of Krishna, I love Krishna, there are other devotees, I love them. How do I explain that? What is that love? Hmm? That is a sanchari then, hmm? that augments my love for Krishna. So all the inhabitants of Vrindavan, they have friends and family members and there's the husband, the wife, and they have a, a son and the husband loves the wife, the wife loves the husband, they love the son, the son loves the parents, but all three of them love Krishna more than they love one another. Hmm? 
So their love for their uh, husband, for the wife, and the wife for the husband, the son for the father and mother, and so on, is all a sanchari bhav hmm? that augments their love for Krishna. We call it surit rati. That's the general idea. Hmm? And this idea all kind of shows up too in the, in the context of Guru Bhakti. Hmm? Guru Bhakti is, a, is an anga of the angi. Anga means limb, angi means body. So a limb of the body of Krishna Bhakti. You can't do Krishna Bhakti without doing Guru Bhakti. Therefore, as Rupa Goswami said, and I mentioned earlier, Krishna Bhakti begins with Ado Guru Vashraya, Diksha, Shikshadi. It begins with taking shelter of the Guru, taking initiation. It's the beginning of Krishna Bhakti. Hmm. Now people think, well, let them wait. What's the point of being initiated? Let them get pure first. Hmm. And that, but Bhakti begins with, uh, with uh, taking shelter of the Guru. You cannot do Krishna Bhakti without Guru Bhakti. Hmm? So whenever we worship the deity, we find we invoke the blessing of the Guru and so forth, taking the permission and so forth. And then after we've offered, and, and, and uh, the remnants of Krishna will be given first to the Guru and before we take. And so Guru Bhakti is intimately entwined with Krishna Bhakti like a limb is entwined or connected with the body. But there can be a situation in which we make Guru Bhakti the Angi and Krishna Bhakti the limb. Jiva hmm. Goswami explains in Bhakti Sandarbha, there are rare instances like this where Guru Bhakti takes precedence over Krishna Bhakti. And he said, this is more pleasing to Krishna. Hmm. So the whole idea that, as Krishna says in Adi Purana, those who say they are my devotee, they're not my devotee. Those who say they are devotee of my devotee, they're my devotee. Hmm? This is along the same line. So in a very broad kind of sense, we extend this idea of Suratrati and Babulasa. Hmm? Maybe extended in this instance. Some cowards like Balaram more than Krishna. We find Vrindabandas Thakur in Gorlila that his Ishta, Devata, his, his deity is Balaram, Nitai. Hmm? He makes it very clear in his in his text, and that he was spoke to within the heart to write the book, and he writes it in such a way. It's very clear. He makes it clear that my that I'm my position is that Balaram Nitai Nitanandaram is my Ishta. So he expresses some kind of Baulas in a general sense. Hmm? His love for for Ram exceeds his love for Krishna. Hmm? Um, and then we go in a more uh, kind of uh, detailed sense. We look at it and we see that that um, in the love of the manjaris, the handmaidens of Radha, for Radha, it's called tadbhav ichamayi, according to Rupa Goswami, the, the conjugal love or romantic love in which one doesn't want to consort directly with Krishna, but one wants to assist Radha in her romantic life with Krishna. No one can compete with Radha. She's the full of Madhurja, of Sringarasa, romantic love. So some people want to be have direct relations, but that's called Sambhogechumayi, Madhurya Rasa. But in our sampradaya, we understand in tadbhavi that we want to follow the bhav 
of Radha. Hmm? And the implication is, of course, that those who go in that direction, whatever Radha tastes, they taste by connection with her, by identification with her. All the intimacy and so forth shows up in them, kind of vicariously. Hmm? And they never want to go directly with Krishna. And Krishna finds it very charming. They're dedi- because Radha is most dear to Krishna, so those who dedicate themselves entirely to Radha, they become most dear to Krishna, this is the idea. So this is also called then Babulas, because for those gopis, young maidens, then Radha becomes the, is the friend of Krishna, and their friend, and they love their friend more than they love Krishna. It's still, their stai bhav is for Krishna. Hmm? But there's this extraordinary stai bhav for Krishna, which includes love of Radha that exceeds their love for Krishna. So, therefore, some devotees in our lineage, great devotees, have said this Babulas, in the full sense of the term, refers to love of Radha and Krishna, where Radha has been elevated, so to speak, to the position of the object of love along with Krishna. Because the union of Radha and Krishna that the gopis, handmaidens, seek to facilitate hmm, has, the, has the two melting in Mahabhav, hmm, the two becoming one uh, indistinguishably, in a sense. And so the object of love is, is the combined form of the two. This is called Bhavala. So anyway, some, some semblance of that in a more general sense can be drawn here from the idea that the groups were divided some the cowherds of Balaram and the cowherds of Krishna. They each love each, but some favor Balaram, some favor Krishna. And in this game, they set it up so that Krishna's friends would be with Balaram, on Balaram's side, and Balaram's friends would be on Krishna's side. Hmm? And there would be some competition, and whoever lost would have to carry the other on their shoulders. That was the, the consequence of losing. Hmm? You'd have to then bend down, and boy, we'd reach up under the bandira tree on a, a branch and climb up on your shoulders, and you'd have to carry him, and he would make fun of you as you carried him. So, as this was being arranged then, uh, well, actually, the context of this pastime being arranged, uh, we come to the end of the, the, the chapter, the last part, as I say, which is showing the opulence of Krishna, and... Krishna is described here. Hmm? This uh, Perlamba enters the scene. Hmm? And uh, so, who is Perlamba then? Perlamba is, is, uh, is described in, uh, elsewhere that in his previous life he was some kind of like Gandharva or Vidyadhara, singer in the heavens and so forth. And Kuber the treasurer of the gods, had set up an arrangement in the forest for the worship of Shiva. He's a devotee of Shiva. And he had picked flowers for that. And some people are stealing the flowers on a regular basis. So he was upset, so he put out a curse. Whoever steals a flower will become a demon. And so this uh, Perlumba in his previous life is coming through the area, and he didn't really have any bad intentions. He didn't know the whole situation. He saw these flowers, and he took them. And so the curse had to come down on his head. But then he went and explained himself, and Kubera said, well, that's an extenuating circumstance, isn't it? Uh, he did it by accident. 
Well, let's do it like this. You'll have to take birth as a demon, but you'll take birth as a demon in Vrindavan when Krishna performs his pastimes there. How's that? So, okay, well, what can you do? So he took birth as Pralamba and became a big demon. And, you know, different demons were sent by Kamsa to try to destroy Krishna. And they took different disguises. And Putana came first disguised as a mother. Pretty good disguise. When Shakatasura saw that, he thought, hmm, well, I'll come invisible. So he became invisible and surrounded himself around a cart that Krishna was under and so forth. And and then uh, Trinavarta came as a whirlwind, you know, a natural force, come take him away, and so so on and so forth. And so here, this um, Pralamba, he thinks, well, you know, here's my task. I'm supposed to kill Krishna. He's got these friends. He's, they're like inseparable. Hmm? He loves them so much. And so I'll, I'll dress up like one of them. Hmm? So uh, he waited for the day when one of the boys, for certain reasons, had to stay home that day and couldn't go, family affairs. And then he disguised himself by his mystic power as that boy. And then he appeared in the assembly. But Krishna, he's described here as all-seeing, all-knowing. This is a side of him now, the opulence. He's just like this cowherd, right? And um, as we'll see in this Leela, of course, he loses the fight, the championship. He has to carry Sridham on his back. Hmm? This is... This is the beauty, the, 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 the Madhurya. He's, he's subordinate to his devotee. He loses the wrestling match, whatever it is, and he has to carry Sridham as the punishment. Hmm? But in the context of that, we see he's all-knowing. You know, this side of him hasn't gone away. He's absorbed in these sweet pastimes, really to the point of forgetting about his godhood, but it comes, it's not gone. His omniscience isn't gone. It comes to the fore when necessary. So the demon comes on the scene and it, it, it comes to the fore. Meanwhile, Balaram is just totally absorbed in, 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 in Sakirasa. He doesn't notice the guy or anything. The Christian notices him, so he says, okay, we're going to start a game now. Here's going to be the game. Hmm? Okay, you boys take Balaram's side, you Balaram's boys take my side like this. Hmm? And um, this fellow, Perlumba, had thought to attach himself to Balaram because he thought Krishna is a little more powerful, maybe. So, and, and, and Balaram is the life of, of Krishna in these leelas. So I'll take him away, take Krishna's life away. Then uh, Krishna will be at a disadvantage. And so this was his kind of strategy. So Krishna could understand everything. He arranged the, the, the game and so forth. So the Balaram's on one side, and this Perlumba becomes on Krishna's side. Hmm? And, and he matches up Krishna with the Perlumba. Hmm? And so the... The, the 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 game ensues and and Balaram loses or Balaram wins Balaram's side wins Sridham is on Balaram's side in this instance Balaram's side wins hmm? and so Krishna's side has to carry them so Krishna carries Sridham and Perlumba has to carry um, Balaram and then there's a certain area hmm, within the vicinity of the Bandira tree that you you can't go beyond that. Hmm? So, Perlumba starts carrying him. Hmm? He's carrying Balaram, and then um, Balaram 
is, as we said the other day, like the gravitational pull. He's a heavy, heavy guy. Hmm? So the weight <laughs> is described something like this. The weight of Balaram starts to weigh in or weigh down on Perlumba. And he realizes this is not going to be an easy task here. I can hardly carry him. Hmm? The weight of the world is on my, is on my shoulders. Hmm? And so he then breaks out of his disguise so that he's free to you know, be as demonic as he could, <laughs> possibly. And, um, and Balaram suddenly becomes like, what's this? You know, who's this guy? So he's totally absorbed in Sakyarasa. Hmm? So Krishna has vacillated towards his, his omniscience hmm, from, the, from the very, very beginning. And so then he, he, he kind of glances at Balaram and awakens the omniscience of Balaram within him. So who's stronger? Krishna or Balaram? This is a question Prabhupada asked his disciples once. Who's stronger, Krishna or Balaram? Or I think one of his disciples asked him. He said, what's, what's your answer? People gave different answers. And he said, well, he said, Krishna is, Balaram is leaning on the shoulder of Krishna. So Krishna must be strong. But this is not something from scripture. This is the vision of Prabhupada. The deity that we have of Krishna and Balaram, for example, in, largely in this world, in, in Godi Sampradaya, was brought to life by Prabhupada. He, he envisioned the deity and he said the pose should be like this. And in that pose, Balaram is resting on the shoulder of Krishna. So, you know, who's the bigger brother? <laughs> Balaram's older, they make him in the deity, they make him a little bit larger, so that it means he's, he's the older brother, but he's leaning on Krishna. So, he derives his strength from Krishna, from his love for Krishna. So anyway, Krishna glances at him and awakens his om omniscience, and then he deals appropriately with Perlumba, who's clinging at this point very, uh, on, on, around Balaram's... Um, oh, he, well, he's, he's clinging on to Balaram and his, for his own life, and Balaram's going to you know, take him out. <laughs> Whatever. So anyway, Perlumba means clinging. He's a real clingy guy. So this is an Amartha that clings to us, like a weed that clings to the vine. The vine is tender, so it needs to wrap, to grow, it needs to wrap itself around something else. This is around the guru. Hmm? Wrap around and attach ourselves to that uh, higher Vaishnav and get strength there. Hmm? But uh, in the context of doing that, in, in cultivating the, the, the vine, the creeper of bhakti, then weeds can grow. This is called, a, this is kind of an anartha that comes in the context of bhakti. There are anarthas that come with us as a result of our pious and impious activities. There are anarthas that come as a result of our offenses. There are anarthas that come in the context of bhakti. They're real subtle. Hmm? So Perlumba was subtle. He was dressed like a cowherd. Looked like a cowherd. Hmm? You've got to pay attention here. The weed could look like the creeper, and we could end up watering the weed. Hmm? Problem. So, as I said, some more effort is required for this type of demon. One has to pay attention in one's sadhana and distinguish the weed from bhakti. Weed will come. Kam, kamini, kanaka, labhya, puja, pratishta. Hmm? This may come. In a nishta bhakta, who has attained nishta. Nishta means I know what my goal is. I'm fixed there, and I'm fixed in the practice to go there. Hmm? 
But this thing can come to... So in a very... In a, this is like the beginning of Madhyam Adhikari. Kanishta Madhyam. Hmm? The beginning Madhyama. Nishta. He may or she may, by force of necessity, let's say, or perceived necessity, take the service of the guru. Hmm? But that person is not safe. Hmm? So this pratishta, labhya, uh, this can come to, to attack. In other words, fame will come to you. Recognition will come to you. Position will be given. You'll be distinguished from the crowd, from the other devotees, hmm? as the teacher, and so forth. So, and then people will be just, you know, they're falling at the feet, and so forth. And, and you may get close to the opposite sex, for example, on account of that. Uh, the ladies or the men, depending on. And, and so the, you're, you're in a battle zone, kind of, so to speak, because these, these things you don't, you, you don't want attraction to the opposite sex. This is a distraction. You don't want uh, be, to be distinguished. The Vaishnava position is just to be humble, Vaishnava, and so forth. Hmm? Uh, but these things may come to it. So Balaram is the Guru Tattva. So Balaram was attacked by Pralamba. Hmm? It means like this. Even a guru in a lower stage can be attacked by this. Hmm? So one has to be very uh, vigilant and diligent in one's practice and culture and understand, this, understand the weed, pull out the weed. When it comes to ruchi, the next stage, then they're safe. No problem. Because naranam naranam nasundurim kupitamba. All these things are gone. In Nishta Bhakti, these things are there, hmm? but one is holding them at bay by the force of his or her bhakti. Hmm? And if the, this is the idea of Nishta, it's, it has some force to it, but these things are strong also. So if you take a position in the context of your bhakti that puts you in a greater difficulty, your Nishta can be threatened. Hmm? So it's not recommended. <laughs> but in Ruchi, the difference is what? They're not there anymore. I, 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 I'm not, uh, I have no desire for it. So how we overcome them? I have no interest in any of these things. I have only interest in bhakti. So they can't touch that person. Therefore, Vishwana Chakravartakura says, in, nish, in Ruchi Bhakti, the stage of Ruchi, these anarthas that come in the context of bhakti, they're gone irrevocably gone, completely eradicated. They can't come back. Hmm? Therefore, this is a safe position. Therefore, that is called Shuddha Bhakti. A devotee becomes a, the proverbial pure devotee in Ruchi. Hmm? This is still in Salana. Hmm? Still he has to go to Asakti and then to Bhav, which is a beginning of real perfection that's then cultivated and turned into Prem. But Shuddha Bhakti, or Shuddha Bhakta, a pure devotee, means a Ruchi Bhakta. This devotee is in a safe position. Hmm? These things cannot uh, take down his or her Bhakti. Hmm? So, one has to be careful about these things. They cling, they hang on. Hmm? Um, when we do Bhakti, like I say, money may come to us. Um, people may want to give you money. If you become guru, for them, people want to give you money, then what, then the ideas may come. I could have. I could have. 
seeds that are still there that you're kind of keeping down. The chant, there's rain, there's water. They could be watered by that. Hmm? So one has to be very careful about these things. Hmm? Mahaprabhu has given a, a mandate. He's told us how to deal with it. He said, Nishta Bhakti should, it must be accompanied with this. Trinatapi sunijena, tororapi sahistana, manina manadena kirtaniya sada hari. He said, you decorate yourself with this. Make a garland of this verse and put it around your neck. Hmm? Hmm? And we'll always keep your head down. So it's a heavy verse. Bowing down like this. You know, no chance for pratishta, uh, desire for position and recognition and so forth to come. Hmm? So in bhajan, if we do bhajan, this is the rule. You must follow this. What is that? I will not go against the environment. More humble than a blade of grass. And if anybody goes against me, I'll tolerate that. Hmm? I will not assert myself in the environment. I will be humble. Hmm? And if someone asserts themselves against me, I will tolerate that. No complaints. Hmm? And I will offer, as far as honor goes, I will offer honor to everyone. Then I will avoid accepting honor from anyone. This is for bhajan. But this is not hard, easy to do. Hmm? It's not easy to sit and do bhajan and, and embrace this verse. Hmm? So we have another method. Hmm? What is that? What Krishna bhakti and insight has been given to us by our guru who is sharing this with the world we try to assist him in sharing this the outreach of Krishna consciousness, the dispensation of Gaudiya Vaishnava, the giving of this. That takes some, some thought, how to give it, how to package it, how to present it, how to share it, what is it about, how do you articulate it, and so forth, to others. I'm at the bhakti shop, and I've got all these yoga students, and I've got to tell them about... Bhagavad Gita, where do I begin, and so forth. My guru wrote the edition of Bhagavad Gita with commentary, so here I am, and now I have to present this. And so, so this is a little bit of a different situation. The outreach, you are making a an impression in the environment. You're 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 disturbing the natural environment, so to, so to speak. Hmm? So then, what is the situation there? What will we do? Then we'll think we we think. Yes, we, there is some place for asserting myself, for standing out and saying, I don't agree with that, no. Hmm? But how we will do that? By we, we attach ourselves, to, we endear ourselves to our guru and we, and we represent his or her position. We say, Guru Maharaj didn't want that. Hmm? And I'd better be sure he didn't want that. <laughs> Let him know him close enough. We have to, you have to know... When Guru Maharaj says, yes, he's a very nice boy. Yes, he's a very nice young lady. Hmm? Very sincere. They're, they're very dedicated. Really wants to understand me. Whatever she says, we go with that. Hmm? Something like that. Then he or she, then they can assert themselves. It's not for the beginner, first day. He tried to, that person tried to increase your capital. Hmm? Endear yourself to the Guru. Hmm? And when Guru says, I have confidence, he can... He can represent me here. Then we assert ourselves in the environment. Yes. No, I won't tolerate that. Guru Maharaj wants it like this. He wants it first class. It should be done like this. So this then 
will protect us actually from Pratishta because we have not our own position we are trying to establish. We become so identified with the mission and the, the sensibilities of the the commander in chief, so to speak, of the, of the whole uh, you know army of whatever war against Maya, so to speak, or, or relief work. Like we're uh, trying to. Um, bring medicine to the people in an emergency situation, and there's a the head doctor is there. Hmm? So we've got an infusion, and then we uh, we are identified with that. How he does it, we see he performed the operation like this. I assisted, now it's done the operation, I have to perform it. So uh, how he did it like that, and I'll push this other guy away. No, not like that. Get out of here. We cook it like this here. Hmm? You understand? <laughs> and the young boy, you think, well, that guy's really on a trip. You know, yeah, he is. It's a good one, though. <laughs> we should take that trip. That will also chase away this perlamba. Perlamba will not be able to cling in the face of that. This is the idea. So then later, then we've got all that down, and we've given our whole life for this. Then we can sit down and do bhajan and let everything go on, so to speak. Someone else will take the command and keep the preaching going and so forth. So this way, at any rate. This is our important task to kill Perlamba. Hmm? And we take shelter of the Guru, Balaram, hmm? to do that and identify with his or her insight about uh, outreach and, uh, and what are the principles and what are the details and so forth and stand up for that. Hmm? In this way, Perlamba has killed, uh, or Balaram has killed the Perlamba, and this is another, as I say, something very um, unbecoming of a Braj Bhakta or Rag Bhakta, even an Ajataruchi Rag Bhakta, to be uh, troubled by Pratishta. By, because, again, Mahaprabhu was given a mandate. For my devotees, they should be humble. I've shown them ways to be humble <laughs> in the different contexts and just doing bhajan and in, in an outreach mission and so forth. So, hmm. There's, there's no place for this. There's no place for this pratishta. This pratishta means distinction, adoration, you know. Just see, I'm really pretty good at, at this whole thing. At, at this, this, you should chase this away. Raghunathas said something like this. That pratishta, that is like the stool of a pig. And pigs eat stool. Hmm? You can see in Vrindavan in the village they have the, the, the pig and he's eating the stool. What is his stool must be like then? Oh my God. This is, it, it's, it's not fragrant. Let's put it like that. This, so just the scent of this, we should push that away. But it's insidious. It's insidious. So you have to be very vigilant. Pay close attention. Krishna gave Balaram the power to be like really attentive and see what was going on. So we have to be attentive in our bhakti culture. Sri Balaram ki jai. Oh, Premanandi. So, what's the time? So, any question? Let's see, first, any question here? From our extended audience? You had a question. Parallel 
follow laws, there's like some it makes sense, there's like certain circumstances where it is in place, but the other idea kind of seems like more like it would be like a stage that everyone would go through. Guru Bhakti? Guru Bhakti becoming the, the only idea, like why would it only well, as there, there, there may be circumstances that there may be, in a general sense, persons become attached to the guru more than Krishna, but not in a, perhaps in a specific sense. And also, it's true that there can be some kind of a sense of a stai in relation to the guru, but then he will transfer that to Krishna. So, yeah, yeah. That that's true, that's true. But it's not that everyone does makes Guru Bhakti the Angi and and, guru, and Krishna Bhakti the Anga. It's a real kind of broad way to talk about Babalas. So all right, we're going to save any questions further for this evening. It's time for the Arctic, and uh, after Arctic, we'll take Prashad. We'll get it again this evening at what is it? Six thirty? Seven thirty? Seven? Six thirty? Six thirty for class. If you're in the vicinity, the Arctic is at six. Oh, Premanandi, Hari Hari Bo.